0: Lord, I thank you, Father, right now. You are here in our midst. And, Father, we open up our hearts to you. We open up our eyes inside, our spiritual eyes to you, Lord. We open up our ears to hear your word. Father, we invite you into our lives. Teach us tonight. Father, let me slip away. Lord, I know you've put some things on my heart, but, Lord, they are your words. This is your truth. This is your Bible, Lord. This is your scripture, Father. And, and I want your, your glory to go forth, Father. And I want uh, your people to be blessed in knowing you and who you are. You are the way, the truth, and the life. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Have you guys heard of the, the young Christian man? He was praying. Praying for humbleness. Yes, he he didn't want pride. Kept praying and praying, Lord, make me humble. Humble me, humble me, humble me. Don't want pride in my life. So he's praying, praying, praying for the breakthrough. Finally, he gets the breakthrough. Calls his friend. Hey, guess what? I've been praying for humbleness, and God gave me the breakthrough. His friend said, oh, that's great. You must be proud of that. He said, you know I am. (laughs) Oh. Be here all day, folks. Oh, man. It's a Dr. McGee joke right there. Oh, Lord. You know, sometimes, I mean, we might feel like that, right? Like praying and seeking God, and then just in one little word or slip, we, like, go two steps back. But but I thank the Lord that he is faithful and good, and his grace endures forever. Amen. And we are with him. He is with us. And that should give us great joy. Christ is. Christ is. This is the message title. Now that might seem like an incomplete sentence, but think of it. Christ is. You know, our key text is from John fourteen six. This text rings out through all eternity. And Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Say it with me. The way, the truth, and the life. Say it again like you mean. The way, the truth, and the life. Amen. You know, just like almost 2,000 years ago, today there's a question that demands an answer. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Today, a lot of people are asking that question Who is Christ? Well, some people say He's a good teacher, right? I work in the education industry, and there's a lot coming down the pipeline, that's for sure. Um, But One of the things is I don't know if you've ever taken this training in a corporation, but we have to do some training. We call it IBA, interest based approach training. It was a mandatory thing. We had to go to it. And you know, I see the logo and I'm a graphic designer by profession as well and stuff. And so I'm always looking at brand marks, but the logo is a yin and the yang. So you know, I'm thinking, okay, what kind of training is this gonna be? But I'm praying the Lord just help me, help me. You know, we can receive some truth, but I'm always guarded. You know, if, if someone's going to be speaking into your life, you better be on guard and test everything and filter everything by the word of God, even if it is a mandatory, you know, uh, job meeting. So in one of the, the days, they said, you've heard of the golden rule, right? Jesus taught, do unto others as you would have them do to you, called the golden rule. They said, we have the platinum rule. So now they've built upon this. The platinum rule says, do to others the way they want you to do to them. Okay, so I was about ready to go Jesus in the temple on them, you know, overturning the tables and money changer stuff. Like, oh man, I want to get up and just rip this thing, you know, to shreds. But... I decided afterwards to talk to some friends and faculty members and sort of make light of it because there's two ways you can go. You can either go angry, which can be good and righteous anger, or you can go funny and make people sort of think about what they just heard. So I went up to people who have kids. I know they have quite a bit of kids. And I said, well, you're gonna apply that platinum rule tonight? You know, let your kids stay up all night, watch cartoons, eat Captain Crunch, not do their homework. Because that's certainly what the kids want, right? And you talk to the faculty members you know, you're going to apply that Platinum Rule, allow your, your students to get straight A's even though they don't pass the test, don't do the homework, and don't even show up for class, because <laughs> that's the way they want you to treat them, right? So as we can see, when we try to add to Christ, it's a failure. This Platinum Rule became the, what's the cheap metal? The, the tin rule? There we go, the tin rule, <laughs> cheap and worthy to be thrown out. So some people think Jesus was a teacher. Other people think, well, I heard this around Bernie Sanders running for president. Around that time, people were thinking Jesus was a socialist, a liberal socialist. Um, Okay, I definitely did some debates with people like that. But there's other people who say, well, Jesus was a hippie, right? He had long hair, had a burqa of sorts, and wore sandals, The original hippie and still others say Jesus didn't even exist but all these people all these sayings really have this in common right these people are conforming Christ to their personal opinion without any regard to who Christ is and that's what the world does today they're going to conform Christ to their own opinion and they probably haven't even thought it through. You know, when people debate with me, I like apologetics, the defense of the faith. Well, God, Jesus didn't even exist. Oh, really? How do you know? We have evidence. We have thousands of manuscripts. I mean, just start putting up a defense. You know, don't, don't let people just walk all over your faith. It's not a blind faith. Amen. There's evidence of the Bible throughout history. And people, a lot of times, aren't even prepared to have uh, rebuttal in their face you know make them work I debated my professors would take them out to lunch and would debate them all the time throughout college and uh, it was good they actually thanked me for it because I kept them on their toes see we need to not allow the culture to define Christ in Matthew sixteen fifteen, Jesus asked this very important question which demands an answer today from every heart who do you say I am who do you say I am? Who is Christ? Eternity will demand one day an answer from every soul. My friends, how many people will nod their tongues wishing they would have spent the time to answer that question while on earth? Who is Christ? will ring in the ears of those lost souls entering into eternal damnation forever As they wished if only I would have taken the time to answer that question instead of pursuing vile lusts and personal agendas on this earth who is Christ Peter answered you are the Christ the son of the living God he boldly proclaimed Jesus is Christ now look Christ is not the last name of Jesus Jesus did not have a last name we know we have 77 generations of who Jesus came from, his, his mother's side lineage uh, through Matthew. And we see that in the Old, well, in the Old Covenant Testament and, and the New Testament, they didn't have last names. But they had their father's names and their great father's names and their great, great, great father's names. That's how we know the lineage of Christ. But Jesus Christ means... Messiah, which means anointed one. Now, in the Old Testament, we know that there was an anointed one coming. And Peter answers this right now before us. You are the anointed one, he says. What is he saying? Friends, he's saying that Jesus is the Christ Jesus is God with us, Emmanuel with us. Jesus is mankind's only solution for sin. Jesus is God wrapped in humanity. That's what the statement said. How bold, how good, how perfect. And Jesus tells us, Peter, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. God, the Father, revealed that to you. And we see the first thing we need to know is in understanding who Christ is, It's revealed by God we cannot come to this revelation on our own understanding by our own intuition we need God to reveal to us who his son is and you know what God is doing that for every person on the earth God is doing that but we by faith must become partners with God and say I'm gonna listen I'm gonna have an open heart to understand who Christ is Point number one, Christ is the way. Amen. Now, y'all looking at me like, okay, I don't know where he's going. I don't know about this message so far. Okay, we're going to go deep. We're going to go all the way to 830. We'll see. Um, but, But look, Christ is the way. Now, how many of you have been lost in this room? Okay, we have, we have some men willing to raise up the hand and admit this phenomenon. I've never heard of a man getting lost before. Um, no, never. Now, this is why you all sitting out there, I'm, I'm standing up here. We're going to have a barrier right here. Um, but, okay, I've been lost. Now, I, I'm going to tell you the truth. Being lost with a full tank of gas is different than being lost with an empty tank of gas. Now, that's a little different, sir. Now, being lost on a country back road is different than being lost in the wilderness, okay? But if we can go back to that memory of when you had that anxiety start to rise up and you started to get the the palmy hands and that feeling of being lost, I want us to remember this because this is what humanity faces. All of humanity is lost, the Bible says. Now, Jesus said, I'm the way. But humanity is trying to look for a different way than Christ. Humanity is lost. And I, I believe very truly that this is why we see some amazing things from amazing people. Bill Gates, um, all the amazing inventors, you know, businessmen. What drives them to accomplish so much? Often, they're looking for purpose. They're looking for the way. They're looking to have meaning in this life. And they strive after it so much. But we're here to say, well, Jesus said, I am the way. There is no other way. You see, Jesus said this statement right after Judas left the Last Supper. And remember that? The Last Supper? Judas was filled with Satan. And Judas left the supper to go and betray Christ. It was at this moment Jesus said, I'm the way. Do you realize in just a little over an hour, the same disciples would all be scattered to their own way? Their hopes would be dashed, their hearts crushed. How interesting Jesus said, I am the way at that very moment. You see, Jesus said in Mark 14:27, all of you will fall away for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Have you ever felt scattered in life? Have you ever felt lost in life? I'm here to assure you, it's because of your own sin. And it's because of my own sin. Now Matthew, when is this message going to become nice and soft? Well, we're going to get there. But first we need to go and understand what's been happening with humanity. Why can't we find the way? Well, point number one, Sin blocks the way to life. Let's turn to Genesis. You guys can turn to Genesis 3. And I'm going to speak a little bit because I got there before you. Now, I don't know if you knew this, but did you know there are two trees in the center of the garden? Now, we know when God created the Garden of Eden, he created a lot of trees. I mean, trees for good, uh, eating a lot of fruit. Adam was put in that garden to tend it. But did you know there was two trees in the center? It wasn't just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was one tree. But also in the center was the tree of life. Now, if we turn to Genesis 3, 24. So he, God, drove out the man And he placed cherubim at the east of the Garden of Eden and a flaming sword, which turned every which way to guard the way to the tree of life. Now, isn't this interesting? You see, when Adam sinned, he forfeited his dominion and his right standing with God to the father of lies, Satan. And when he did this, it wasn't Satan that drove Adam from the garden. It was God. It wasn't Satan that said, don't eat of the tree of life anymore. It was God. You see, God drove and blocked the tree of life from man. God blocked the way. Now, why is that? Why would God do that? Well, let's look at it. I mean, sinful man, do you really think that man can sin and slap God, the creator of the universe, the all-knowing God, the perfect creator who never sinned, who has no lie, who has no shadow or turning, slap him in the face and then expect everything to be okay? That I can sin and then fix it? No. You see, Adam couldn't fix it. I can't fix it. You can't fix it. Only Christ can fix our sin. That should give us great hope, even as we are meditating on the severity of that statement. Sin has separated us from God. Sin has blocked our way to life. But how blessed are we to know that Jesus said, do not fear, I am the way. Amen. That should give us great hope at this moment. You see, Adam would never again know the way to life. Remember Solomon and all his wisdom, and his riches, and his wives, everything else? At the end of pursuing everything life had, trying to find the way, Solomon would say, vanity, vanity, it's all vanity, like chasing the wind. That's what life is like when we try and find the way apart from Christ. So. What is humanism teaching us right now, today? What is humanism teaching our children right now? It's quite popular. Just do it. Believe in yourself. Try harder. You can do it with enough effort. You can just achieve everything you put your heart to do. Believe in yourself. Oh, it sounds tantalating to the ears. It sounds good, but there's nowhere in the Bible that God ever says to believe in yourself. In fact, the Bible says, we are wretched, we are sinners, we are worthy of death. Isaiah 64 said, all of our righteousness, all of our good deeds are but filthy rags before God. Hmm. Paul himself in Philippians 4.13 didn't say, I could do all things through my positive thinking and affirmation and my own strength. He said, I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me, amen. So the first element of finding the way is self must come off the throne. Action. Everybody say action. Action. What must we do to find the way? Well, it's a little word. I'm sorry to say it's known as a cuss word in uh, often a lot of churches today. So some of you better guard your ears. I want to say it. The word is Repent. It's, uh, it's not a well-known word. It's not really liked today. But you know what? Repent means to turn around. So here I am walking my way, following the lust of the flesh, following death, and repent is to turn around and go the other way. Now, how awesome is this? 2 Timothy 2.25 says that God gives us the gift of Repentance. You see, the question is, well, how, if you truly are dead in sin, which I and you are, apart from Christ, dead in our sins, then how could we ever turn from our sin to go to God? Well, we couldn't. God gives us the gift of repentance. And as we turn to God, we partner with God in faith, because God also gives faith. Faith is a gift from God. And we partner with God and say, okay, okay, I'm going to hear you. Ears to hear. Eyes to see, Jesus always said, "Let he who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let he who has eyes to see, let him see. Because we need to see the gift before us to repent and turn to God. But we must humble ourselves and humble our hearts that we're not trusting in our own self, in our own ways, or even what the world is saying. You see, in a practical sense, to repent means to get our eyes back on Jesus. What happened to Peter. Well, Peter was doing just great, right? He stepped out of the boat in faith. Okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I'm going to get out of this boat and walk on water in the midst of a storm. Oh, man. And, he, and you know what? He was doing it. It's exciting. But, but he got his eyes off Jesus and looked to the waves and looked to the wind and saw that it was a terrible storm and and what happened he sunk right and immediately Jesus grabs him with his hand lifts him up oh you of little faith but look just getting our eyes off god just a little bit is enough to go astray see all satan's doing satan is a defeated foe friends jesus defeated him at the cross but all satan is doing is trying to create enough wind and distraction and and fear for us to get our eyes off following the lord and we get a little scared and we fall that's why psalm 32 8. look at this psalm 32 8. god says this i will instruct you and show you the way to go the way everybody say the way with my eye now if you're going to direct someone To go somewhere. Maybe someone pulled over on the side of the road and said, hey, can you show me the way to go? I'm probably going to say, yeah, go go over here. So I'm going to use a big gesture with my body, with my hands, with my arms. God says this. This is how God's going to guide you. See that? Now, what does that mean? That means I better be looking at God's face to see what he's doing. Right? That means I have to be intimate with my father. I need to know, well, what is God doing? Because He's not shouting the way, He's not making big hand motions the way. He's guiding you with His eye. That's why I love Psalm 27, verse 8. David cries out and says, When you said, Seek my face, my heart said to you, Your face, Lord, I will seek. Your face, Lord, I will seek. Now, I admit, the last few weeks, I've been in the Bible for many hours preparing for this message, and I always liked that. I always liked preparing for a message and getting in the Word, but I remember my mom telling me, don't just go to the Word to have a good message, <laughs> and it's true. You know, I better be in the Word daily. I better be going to the Word not to find an argument to win, not to find a good message to preach, though it is Wonderful when God reveals things to you and when you get to be honored to, to speak to your brothers and sisters. That's it's, it's amazing. I feel very humbled that you'd even sit there and listen and I thank you for that And I thank God for for allowing me to speak But I need to seek God's face Daily I need to seek him for him not for what he can bless me with Not to receive an answer to prayer even Right? I mean, my answer is in Christ. Our answer is already yes and amen. The promises are yes and amen. But what is Christ, what is he saying for me to do right now? I need to look to my Father and look to his face and see where he's leading me. And you know that means getting distractions out. That means getting time set aside. That means some planning. That means saying no to some people and some activities and some entertainments. Now I'm meddling right here. But I'm preaching to myself, too, because I'm going to watch this, and I'm going to take notes and say, okay, I need, to, I need to carve out time. Amen. And that's so important. Finding the way. What must we do? Action. Seek God's face. Number three, the process. We're talking about Jesus as the way. The process. What do we go through along the way? Well, Jesus said in Matthew 16, 24, if anyone wants to come after me and follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. So we're talking about the way. Jesus is the way. We've talked about the action plan of repentance. But now we're in the process. Deny yourself? Well, I thought God wants to bless me. I thought God has a lot for myself. No. God will bless you with himself. I mean, when I have the Lord, do I need anything else? No. Because no one can take the Lord from me. And no one can pluck you out of the Lord's hands. So, amen. That gives us our confidence. Amen. Amen. So, deny yourself, well, that means Jesus is on the throne. Jesus is now driving. The bus, driving the truck, driving the car. But it goes so much further than that. It means Jesus gets to tell me, no, I don't want you to do that. No, I don't want you to marry that person. Uh Uh-oh. No, I don't want you to have that job. I know you're gifted for it. I gave you the gifts, but I have something better for you. And I know it doesn't look very logical, but I have something better for you. Well, (laughs) Lord, deny yourself. Take up your cross. Oh. Mm, That's not comfortable. I'll tell you something. We can all agree the cross isn't comfortable. (laughs) That the cross was not a comfortable instrument of torture. The cross was the instrument of torture. So what's Jesus talking about? Take up your cross. That's taking up that that call of God to forgive your, your enemies. That's taking up the call of God to not trust in your riches. That's taking up the call of God. To go and serve those who don't respect you, who don't give back to you. That's taking the call of God up to say, Thy will be done, not my will be done. Amen. Amen. Follow me. Follow me. Hmm. How do we do that? How do you follow Christ? Well, you're not going to follow Christ by listening to the world, that's for sure. The world's not going to tell you how to follow Christ. Society's not going to tell you how to follow Christ. The news isn't going to tell you how to follow Christ. Entertainment, Hollywood, all that stuff's not going to tell you how to follow Christ. I can assure you of that. We must continue looking into his face. We must continue allowing repentance to be in our hearts. And we must continue to surrender ourselves to that childlike faith. You see... I've seen a lot of you with your children. And when you have your children, you say, come on now. You put out your hand, and they come, and you you take them by the hand, and they follow you. Now, I remember when I was a child, it wasn't that many years ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But there's a childlike faith, like, I want to be with my parents. I want to follow Dad, see what he's doing. Okay, he he stuck out his hand. I want to take his hand and follow him. You know, do we have that childlike desire and faith to go after our Father, God like that, to follow Him and not get carried, carried around by the weights of this world, by what's plaguing maybe your heart right now, even At, when you go out this door, you're going to have choices. who are you going to listen to, who you're going to follow? what's going to occupy your time, what's going to occupy my time? May we have that desire to follow after Jesus like a child excited and ready to grab his hand as he leads us. And the takeaway, an intentionally transforming life. Remember, this year our theme as a church is intentional transformation. So the takeaway for point number one, an intentionally transforming life seeks after repentance, leading to saving faith in Christ. Let us all run to repentance. You know, uh, Lamentations says, let us consider our ways and test them and turn to the Lord. David cried out, Lord, show me anything that offends you. May we have this desire to say, okay, I'm going to run after repentance. And I want to ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to repent from in my life, right And let's have the courage to do it. Because you know what? It's a good thing. It's a wonderful thing to be with the Father and say, okay, I I haven't been following the way very well. Lead me. Guide me. Cleanse me. Rejoice over me. God, God says in Zephaniah 3.17, I rejoice over you with songs of victory. Amen. Point number two, Christ is the truth. In John 18.37, now, remember, Judas has left. Judas has now betrayed Jesus. And now in John 18.37, Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. And I love John's account because John says this. Jesus actually spoke up. Now, in all the other accounts, Jesus didn't say anything. But here, Jesus says this. I came to testify of the truth. And immediately, Pontius Pilate says... (laughs) What is truth? What is truth? He says it to the one who created the heavens and the earth, who is truth. Pontius Pilate says, what is truth? And you know what he does after that? He goes and he allows Jesus to be crucified. Friends, the moment we run after our own truth, we crucify God's truth. The moment we run after our truth, we crucify God's truth. Jesus said that Satan is the father of lies. He's the father of lies, and he's the murderer from the beginning. The moment a lie is spoken, truth is sought to be murdered. Romans 1.18 says, people suppress the truth by their acts of unrighteousness. Now, I've debated a lot with people, and I'm sure you have too. And it might not be in a public forum, but it might just be in daily conversation. You're coming up with someone who just is not wanting to follow the truth. And there can be many, many different reasons why. Skeptics, atheists, agnostics, scientists, and everything else. But you know what? At the end of the day, it's not about human intuition. It's not about human logic. You know what? The end of the day, what it's all about, it's a simple fact. People would rather just sin and remain in darkness and come to the light. That's all it's about. And that's why all these other things, these arguments, these debates, these, all these uh, depths of, of time-sucking um, things of just trying to reach the world, when, when we get in debates like that, it really is about them wanting to sin. That's it. Now... I do like to debate, I do like to talk with people, I do like to, you know, engage, because a lot of Christians don't know what they believe and why they believe, and I think, I've, I've had many atheists explain to me, you're the first person who's really had an answer for why you believe what you believe, And and I've thought about a lot of things, and that's great, I'm happy they've thought. Now, thinking's not going to save them, it's denying themselves repenting from sin and having saving faith by grace in Christ which will save them but it's a seed right so we must understand this whole stuff just people just want to remain in sin and that's it they don't want to follow the truth you know today our culture embraces something called moral relativism that says basically there absolutely are no absolutes <laughs> really can you believe that? The irony of that statement. You see, it, it's, it's killing truth. That's why the, the culture, even uh, yesterday, GQ magazine came out and said, the Bible is the most overrated book, shouldn't be reading it and everything else. Well, it's just people trying to murder truth and get it out of their life so they don't have to come up and face consequences for their wrong actions. That's what it is. You know, we have... Um, I mean, in one hand, society now worships science. Everything about science, 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 right? The Bible's a myth. It's all about science. Yet, in the other hand, they're like, yeah, a man is a woman and can be have a baby because liberal progressivism, transgenderism. Well, the science you worship refutes that soundly. Uh, okay, well... It's the same illogical killing of the truth when someone says, there's no such thing as gender anymore. Men are the same as women. Yet at the same time, for the reason why they want to have a sex change, they say, because I'm a, a woman trapped in a man's body. Well, wait a second. If there's no difference between gender, then how can you be trapped? I Think about it. If there's no difference, then you shouldn't have any problems here, because men and women are the same. It's the same murdering of God's gracious truth where people strain a gnat to save a fly and a frog and a fish and yet, on the other hand, are willing to promote the systematic murder of children in their mother's wombs. Sixty million babies because of abortion. You see, there's no logic. It's lies. Satan is the father of lies and a murderer from the beginning. How interesting we see once truth is overcome... It isn't far, it isn't long, that lies enter into murder, right? We have, in the last hundred years, atheistic regimes, Pol Pot, um, Stalin, Marx, have murdered over 150 million innocent people. That's what I tell people when they're like, oh, you Christians, you had the Crusades, you had all these wars. Well, actually, no. In the last hundred years, atheistic regimes have murdered 150 million people. And it goes over 200 million, and you keep going back. It's, that's more people than have ever been murdered by any religion or any war in the history of the world. Why? Because they got rid of God's word. That's the first thing they did. Get rid of the Bibles. That's why when pastor's talking about this uh, bill in California, AB 2943, which is going to make any material that would dissuade a transgender or homosexual from their lifestyle... That's gonna be illegal. Well, I'm looking at some material right here that has a lot to say on that. that, that the language, I just read the, the, the bill, I have a, an image on my Facebook, I put it up. I made a graphic, you can go check it out. The language is very broad, the language is very dangerous. But the first thing that Satan does is get rid of the truth. Because if you can get rid of and suppress the truth, then unrighteousness comes up, look. How do we know the truth? How do we know the truth? Jesus said, the spirit of truth will be in you when you believe. Jesus said in John 16, 13, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. That's awesome. You know how many times Jesus called the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth? That's wonderful. That gives us hope. Look, I'm not creating truth on myself. What I'm preaching here to you all, you better be testing it. You better be a Berean. Go to the word of God. That's why I put scripture in the outlines. That's why you have an outline. So you can see for yourself. I'm not speaking my truth. I'm going to the word of God for his truth. And I'm being filled with the spirit of truth. Look, John 14, 17, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth. The world is not able to receive him, Jesus said, because the world does not recognize him. But you recognize him because he lives in you. Amen. So the first thing we know, the first thing we have in knowing the truth and discerning the truth is the spirit. And one of the gifts of the spirit is discernment. And love, love, everybody's talking about love. Well, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 6, love rejoices in the truth. How do we worship the Father? Jesus told the woman at the well, you worship in him in spirit and in truth. We need truth. Second, God's word is truth. Jesus said in John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Thy word lasts forever. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Jesus is the word of truth. So whose word are you going to believe? Man's? The devil's? Or God's? You see, even right now as we speak, I have a lot of brothers and sisters who are in the Lord and love them very much. And now they're sort of being a little bit influenced by the world. The world has always said, how can you know truth? Remember Pontius Pilate? What is truth? That's the world. Well, now seeping into the church, well, how do we know? That's just your interpretation of the Bible. Well, you know, there's a lot of different translations and there's all these different denominations and look at all these doctrines out there. How do you know the word? It's just your interpretation. Friends, when, when someone goes down that line, whether it be you or a friend, watch yourself. Because you go down that line, now nothing's true. Look, I don't understand all the Bible. If I wanted to try and explain the Trinity to you, we'd have some fun, wouldn't we, Pastor Tim? Yeah. For 2,000 years, people have been trying to understand the Trinity. I believe by faith God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Three in one. Three completely distinct individuals. Yet God, yet distinct. Explain that? I can't. But I believe by faith. I believe by faith. Paul said to Timothy, rightly divide the word of truth. Don't, don't get into trying to uh, interpret it yourself. I like talking with Pastor Don. Pastor Don explained it like this with the coffee maker. You know, you put a filter in, and then your coffee gets filtered in through the coffee maker. We don't want to filter God's word with our own traditions, with our own biases, with what we've grown grown up on. We want to get rid of the filter and just let this word pour into ourselves. Let it interpret itself. If you have a question, research it. Sometimes you just accept it. Because if you could understand God with your three-pound brain then what kind of God is he worth? I mean, God says my ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. So let us understand that we need the spirit of truth and the word of God's truth. Action, everybody say action. We're getting through. How do we live the truth? How do we live the truth? Romans 12, 2 says, let your mind be Renewed, transformed by the washing of the water of the word. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed. So if I put this on my head, well, I can sleep like that with it, but I I have to get this in my heart. (laughs) I have to read it. I have to spend time with God's word. I can't just absorb it. Um, That would be nice. But what's cool is the word begins to transform our thinking. Wow, that's the action plan. Let it transform you. You see, you can't come into transformation without understanding truth, right? But we can't understand the truth unless we're on the way. It's interesting when Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, truth is in the middle. Why? Because you don't just come to truth without first coming through the way. And the way we already discussed is through repentance, faith on Jesus Christ, only him. So if we're, if we're on that way, that we've now repented, now we're trusting Jesus, now we're having faith in him, now truth is going to start coming into our lives. But you don't get truth until you find the way in Christ. Okay, amen. Three, the process. Okay, how is the truth proven? Proven. Let's turn with me to 1 John 5. All right, I, got, I had a bookmark there. 1 John 5. I'm going to read 6 and 8. And we'll have a discussion on 7 another day. <laughs> but I'm reading from the New King James Bible. In fact, I'm just going to read through it. Look, again, how is truth proven? If you're going to follow truth, truth has to have proof, right? Again, we don't have blind faith friends. We have faith in a proven God. Jesus, when he rose, he said, touch me. I'm not a spirit. I am Christ. with in a new body. Jesus said, I'm going to die and I'm going to raise on the third day," And that's exactly what he did. This wasn't just some spiritualistic guru talking about some stuff that might happen or I'll be with you in spirit. I'll, my words will go on with you. I'll be away, but you know, they'll live in your heart. No, Jesus identified himself to his disciples jesus calmed the doubts of thomas jesus allowed thomas to touch him that's the point that we're seeing look john says this there's a testimony of god's truth and it's three things stay with me here all right this is he who came by water and blood jesus christ not only by water but by water and blood and it is the spirit who bears witness because the spirit is truth for there are three that bear witness in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. We talked about the Trinity. And there are three things that bear witness on earth, the Spirit, the water, and the blood. And these three are one. If we, if we receive the witness of men, then the witness of, of God is greater. Look, John is saying here, I'm going to prove to you why Jesus is true. You have the water, the blood, and the Spirit. What happened when Jesus was baptized? When Jesus was baptized, the Father said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. The Father gave witness to the Son when he was baptized. What happened when Christ was crucified? The blood and water flowed out of his side when the spear went in, and all the curtain was rent from top to bottom. The graves were opened, and people came out when Christ rose. Everybody saw Christ die. They saw his blood, and everybody, 500 witnesses, saw Christ rise. And they witnessed him. That's the other witness. And finally, the witness is the Spirit. Paul says, if the same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in you, now you are with Christ. The same Spirit who raised Christ from the dead lives in us. That's the witness. So we have three witnesses. The baptism, the water, God's voice, the blood, his death and resurrection, and the Spirit of truth living in each of us. Hmm. Wow. Thank you, John, for that. Jesus said in John sixteen fourteen, the spirit takes what is mine and declares it to you. Wow. Amen. So takeaway, an intentionally transforming life is in the word of God daily and trust the spirit of truth to lead him or her into all truth. Finally, point number three, we're going good. going good christ is the life now we can't come to the life until we've come to the way and until we've accepted the truth and now we're coming into the life remember at the beginning we said god blocked the way to life because of sin but now we have free entrance through christ to life point number one we must be born again very simple We must be born again. Jesus told Nicodemus in John 3, verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, now truly, truly, Jesus is saying, listen, listen, verily, verily, this is big, this is important right now. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This means dying to our old flesh and nature. And we're resurrected by the Spirit of grace living in us. The same Spirit who rose up Christ now lives and reigns in us and rises us up from the death of the old man. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because the spirit that lives in you. That's directly from Romans 8, 11. I think by now in this sermon we can see the need of the spirit. We need the spirit to understand the way. We need the spirit of truth to understand the truth. And we need the spirit of resurrection life to give us the new life. Wow. How amazing is that? Jesus said in John eleven twenty five 25, to Mary, this is at uh, Lazarus has died, John chapter 11. Lazarus was Jesus' good friend. Mary and Martha are good friends of Jesus. Lazarus was getting sick, and Jesus delayed, 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 delayed. Have you ever felt your prayers have been delayed, delayed? And what happens? Lazarus dies. Okay, well, we know what happens, but right before we know what happens, right before the big thing, we won't spoil it for anybody here, you watching, but before this, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. That's what Jesus told Martha. I am the resurrection and the life. Okay? No one else rose from the dead. No other religious leader rose from the dead. No other religion rose has any proof of their leaders rising from the dead. But Jesus rose again, and therefore it is to Jesus we look for eternal life, and it is there to Jesus that we must be born again. When Jesus says you need to be born again, then we need to be born again. So here's the action point. Action, how do I get born again? Okay, well, this is exactly what the jailer asked Paul and Silas. What must I do to be saved? Here's their answer in Acts 16.30. You ready? It's very theologically deep. Ready? Believe in the Lord Jesus, and, you, and your, you will be saved, you and your household. Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Amen. I'm going to read some of these things now. Um, let's read this together. Um, do you have, where's Romans? Yeah, Romans 10:9 through 11. If you're there in your outline, I put that, the whole thing in there for you. Let's read that together, shall we? Does everybody have that there in your outline? Did you find it? Okay. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And let's read. First uh, John 5.1, I put that in there too. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God is born of God. Amen. Now, I have that there in your outline so we can be encouraged that we can go. These are, these are key verses that we can have confidence that you are saved. You, have, you can have confidence before you walk out that door that you are saved and right with Jesus. And we have it in the Word, which is Word of Truth. That's how we know. Now look, this is very interesting. I want to point out that up above, in point B, I said, what's one of the actions? The heart of stone must be rolled away. Now look, before Jesus rose Lazarus from the dead, he called out and he said, remove the stone. Now, do you believe that Jesus could have removed the stone? I think he could have just flicked it into outer space. Personally, right? I mean, he created the world. He created the universe. He's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. How come he had other people move the stone? Because the heart of stone is one of doubt and unbelief, and it needs to be removed before the resurrection life can come in. And you and me are teachers and preachers of the good news, and we're going out as witnesses, partnering with God to Go out and help remove those hard, stony hearts. That's the power of the gospel. Could Jesus make everybody believe in him just like that? Oh, Of course. In fact, he's going to do it one day. Every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Christ is Lord. It just will be too late for many people. But one day everybody's going to believe. He could do it, but he partners with us. We are helping to remove the stone away. Now, I found this very interesting, this very interesting thing right before we close. um, There's... The heart of stone makes excuses. And miracles just increase the excuse making. Check this out. In John eleven thirty seven, 37, the people said to Jesus, said of Jesus, he opened eyes of the blind, but he can't save this man from dying. So they acknowledged Jesus opened up blind eyes, but they, he couldn't stop Lazarus from dying. Well, that's, that made me so angry when I read that in the Word. You know why? Because that's a heart of stone. That's a heart of stone. Now, you might be a little bit more kind and compassionate to those people, but I'm not. That's a heart of stone. Because they're. Oh, he, he opened blind eyes, but he couldn't save Lazarus. No. Well, wait a second. That's, look, that needs to be rolled out of the way. Now, check it out. Jesus raised Lazarus just a verse later. And check it out. In Matthew 27... Jesus is now on the cross. From 41 to 42, guess what people said? You saved others but you can't save yourself. So the excuse went from, you open blind eyes, but you can't save Lazarus, to after he saved Lazarus, you saved others, but you can't save yourself. So as the miracle grows, the excuses grow. It's a never-ending battle. And what we need to do is remove that heart of stone, remove that heart of doubt, remove that heart of objection, and receive with faith who Jesus is. I am the life, says Christ. Whoever believes in Jesus is born anew of God. Amen. So the process, how am I transformed to this new life? Death, delay, deliverance. Everybody say that with me. Death, delay, deliverance. The delay forced to death. This process of transforming into new life has often delays in your life. You're going to have delays in your walk with the Lord. You're going to have delays until you feel that God's going to work through. Maybe you know God put in your heart that you're going to be a missionary or a preacher or a worship leader. But there's delays according to God's timetable because certain things need to die. And God's going to let us go around the mountain a few times so certain things get dead in our life. Certain fleshly things get chopped off. Things get... He's... he's, Smoothing out a sculpture in Christ. He's forming us anew in Christ. And he's smoothing out hard things and hardships. And I mean, I was 15 ready to preach. And now I'm 35. There's some delays. There's a death. Lazarus died. Our old flesh must die. Paul said, I crucify my flesh daily. How many of you know tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to have... whole host of decisions. You're going to have things that are going on. You might have emotions. Maybe you didn't sleep very well. Maybe you might feel a little under the weather. Maybe you'll get a call out of nowhere that's going to set a mood for your day. And you're going to have to decide am I going to believe Christ is the way, the truth, and the life? Or am I going to follow my own way? Am I going to be dissuaded? You see, we need to understand that there must be a death to the old life so that there can be a come a new one. And finally, deliverance. Did you know Lazarus did the first Holy Ghost hop? (laughs) Pastor told me that. It was funny. But um, I'm going to steal his joke. But what happened? Lazarus was brought forth from the grave. And he had a shiny new suit, Armani suit, all nice decked out. You should have seen him. He had some Gucci shoes. Nope. The Bible says Lazarus was bound hand and foot with the grave clothes, and he had a a rag, a big covering over his head. So this is Lazarus. He's coming out, but, I mean, he's like, and I'm thinking, like, Jesus, you are Lord, you are God. You rose him from the dead, but just like the stone, how come you told the people next to him to unravel him? You unwrap him, Jesus' voice booms out. Well, wait. Jesus is God. Jesus could have thrown the stone into the The son, if he wanted to, he could have given Lazarus brand new clothes if he wanted to. But what do we observe? Lazarus is resurrected to new life, but he still has the stenchy old clothes of the flesh on him. And how many of us know, as Christ followers, we still got some habits. We still got some hang-ups. We still got some attitudes that need to be cast off. And what is the process of deliverance? You unwrap him, Jesus says. The process is the fellowship of the saints. You and me working together. The ecclesia, the Bible says. The body of Christ. Accountability. Praying one for another. James says, if any one of you is sick, let him call for the elders. Let him pray. The prayers of a righteous man delivereth many. How awesome is that? We're not called to live the cowboy Christian life. I'm going to be the cowboy all alone got my sharpshooter and got my horse got my pack I'm good to go don't need you don't need you don't need the drama don't need the hypocrites gonna go off by myself all over here well look there's drama there's there's guess what we're rubbing on each other we're growing I'm growing you're growing we're rubbing off the the edges we're having patience with one another. We ha- we're a family. And what happens in families? We grow together. Amen. So the takeaway, an intentionally transformed life must be born again by grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the living God, and then brought into fellowship with the saints. And how sweet it is that we have fellowship one with another. Amen. Amen. Well, I just want to pray. Um, Let's just pray right now. Sorry, Bill, I never called you up, but it's all good. I can, the Holy Ghost is flowing. <laughs> there we go. But if right now, just as you're just thinking on the Lord and everything that he's done for you, Jesus is the way, Jesus is the truth, Jesus is the life. I ask right now, Father, you just comfort our hearts right now. You open our minds, open our ears to your word right now. And reveal to us, Lord, if there's anything that needs to change in our hearts. And I want to just ask a simple question. If any one of you would say, you know, I don't know if I'm born again. I don't know if I would go to heaven. If I walked out of that door and got in a car wreck, I don't know. I don't know if I'm right with God. Just raise your hand. Nothing to be embarrassed about. If any of you in this room, amen. Amen. The Lord sees you. Thank you thank you. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I want us all to repeat together after this. This is a simple prayer, but we're the body. We're in fellowship with one another, and none of us, we're no, none of us are going to leave this room without the confidence of Christ. Amen. And so we're going to pray together, our brother and sister. We're going to pray together and repeat after me. This is, this is a prayer that introduces us to saving faith in Christ. Because remember, we had those scriptures. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is God and confess with your mouth that God rose him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, repeat with me, Body of Christ, Heavenly Father, I believe you sent your son Jesus to die a sinner's death on the cross. I am a sinner, Lord. I have disobeyed you. I have fallen short. And I don't know the way apart from you. Your word says that if I confess with my mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in my heart that you raised him from the dead, I shall be saved. Jesus, You are Lord. You rose from the dead on the third day and you are in power and you are coming again. Come into my life. Change me. Renew me. Lead me to repentance. Thank you for washing me in your blood. I pray this in your name. Amen. And as a body right now, we can rejoice together that we are saved, that we are, each one of us who has confessed Christ, that we will see him face to face, and we will hear, well done, good and faithful servant, because the word says it, and you can stand on it. Amen? Amen. Thank you all.